Hi, I'm Dr. Mitch Harlan, and welcome to the Truth Talks podcast. Today, I'm joined by an amazing guest, but before I introduce them to you, I want to ask that you please like and subscribe below. That way, we can continue to bring you these incredible stories, and if you're already liked and subscribed to our channel, we thank you for all of your support. Hi, I'm Dr. Mitch Harlan, and welcome to the Truth Talks podcast. Today we are here with Joe Tabanella again, and there's a reason we're here with Joe Tabanella again. We had so much fun with you, Joe. Uh, a lot of people absolutely loved the last program we did. Uh, we, we ended that program knowing that there was a whole lot of more of Joe Tabanella to be discovered. Um, I, we, we had talked about it. We said, hey, you know what? We're bringing him on for a second go because uh, you've got so much to say. It's fun stuff. You're a character. You, you absolutely entertain me like nobody's business, and you're going to do it again today. I want you again well, to I make introduce... You <laughs> I make you laugh like a clown? You, you like do. Kind of, kind of like this really smart clown. I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe this is something new. I want, I want you to introduce yourself again. I, you've got so much information that is... You know, you know, when I say that, when I say, you know, you, you make me laugh, that's the people who make me think the most, right? Like, it was entertaining. We need the real Joe Tabanella, man. So open it up. Tell everybody what you are, what you're about, and let's do this again. Okay. So um, what, am I, what am I about on the surface uh, as a bio on a website, maybe, is I, um, I'm an NLP instructor and, a, and an hypnosis instructor at uh, uh, Hypnosis Motivational Institute. It's the first accredited college for hypnosis. Um, and so I, um, I teach biofeedback, I teach NLP, and I teach um, uh, hypnosis. I also work at two treatment centers, uh, uh, Milestones, Milestones Ranch Malibu in, um, in Malibu, <laughs> Milestones Ranch in Malibu, and it's a dual diagnosis treatment center for addiction. And um, I work at uh, Connect Wellness in Beverly Hills. It's a mental health facility. I do um, groups and, and in milestones, I do one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. So, and I have a private practice and I teach you know, workshops and, and stuff like this to help people release their beliefs, release trapped emotions and to help them realize how powerful they really are. When their conscious mind and subconscious mind are aligned, it can change anything. Now, who I really am <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> is a, a guy who was very curious. I mean, I had a twin sister and we came out of the womb like with our personalities. She was like this. I go, oh, this is nice. And I was like this. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna, I'll get a baby picture for you if you want. Um, I'm like this. <laughs> I was always so curious. So I was always curious about what made, what, what made patterns work. You know, like why are people, why does this person seem to always be lucky? You know, is it a perception? Is it a reality? Can it be measured? Like, what is that? And why is this person, why did, I grew up in Brooklyn, right? Why did my friend who was a tiny and really wasn't that much of a fighter was fearless to fight anybody? You know, like what, what goes on in someone's head? Like, NLP, we call that, what's the internal representation and the strategy for how you're doing what you're doing, you know? And so I was, I was fascinated by that. And and I needed money, and I shared this last work, workshop. Um, I needed a lot of money for me that, that year, that age. It was a lot of money. And I won the lottery doing something with my mind. About, it's like had a combination of wanting it really, 
you know, <laughs> really bad or really badly. And can we cut that? <laughs> badly, <laughs> really bad, um, really badly. Um, uh, I, I needed it really, you know, was really in trouble and I manifested it, right? Uh, it just happened to me. And so I let go of it as well. And then it happened. So I spent the, my whole life just trying to figure it out. You know, I'm not comparing myself to Einstein, but he did say something that reminds me of what it is I do. And he just simply said, children ask questions. I asked questions. I never stopped asking questions. So I never stopped asking how things work and how we work. I never stopped. And I still ask today, if someone says something and it doesn't hold water, I'm curious. Like, why does that, why does that work with this? And I think in any anomaly, you have the overlap of some kind of science or understanding or principle. Because if this works and this works, but you're both arguing about it, then maybe somewhere in the middle, they both work. You know, maybe there's a new, a new way of doing things that actually combines two things that work. And so I've always been interested in, in, in that. And, uh, and I was, you know, I had lots of emotional issues, my own problems, and I was able to overcome just about all of them. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I have a whole new host of problems that I'm overcoming right now. But the ones that were in the past, just about all of them, anxiety, um, rage, uh, other issues, I, I kind of, they're behind me. And uh, it was because I asked questions about what emotions are, what, what suffering is. And it's funny enough, I came, came to the same conclusions that, you know, these giants have come to, like the Buddhists, you know, the monks, you know, the, um, the Hindus. Uh, neuroscience has found out now uh, about how things work, you know, the more and more every day, quantum physics, um, and so it makes sense to, oh, that's why that works. These are things that um, people who kept asking questions scientifically found out or philosophically. They found out that this is how things must work or probably work. And uh, I, I, they helped me. So I started picking and choosing the interventions that uh, touted the principles that worked. And um, now I put them in a little, you know, bag, the tab technique, if you will. It's just a fusion of uh, principles that have already have been discovered, but I just kind of combine that with intention and um, I kind of get out of my way and I realize there's something bigger than me running this show. When I say me, the autobiographical self, the default network, like something bigger than me, that little me running my show. All right, Whatever you believe, you can call it God, call, call it the collective, call it the bigger... Uh, the subconscious, the collective, it doesn't really matter, but it's something bigger is running the show. And my job is intention, trust, and letting go of all attachment to everything I've found. Yeah, no, I think you're dead on because, you know, my dad, you know, I knew his whole story growing up extremely poor, uh, got up every day sick, rain, sleet, snow, or shine. He's out there busting his ass and, and providing you know, my mom was always one of these people who really backed that idea. Like, you know, if we complained about something, she would say, hey, you know what, listen, your dad's out there and he's working it every day so you don't get to complain about a whole lot of stuff. And it was, but it was this real nurturing, loving thing, right? And, but I think you nailed that. And I think it's dead on um, because I always saw that guy as somebody who just worked his ass off. And that's how I accomplish all my problems. Let me put it this way. Okay, here's a perfect example. Children have a tendency to become the parent's shadow self. This is, this is what I mean by this. 
if a parent, this is important for a parent, boy, I wish I knew this when my kids were born. I, f I fixed a lot of it, you know, when I didn't know that uh, it, it took me like eight years, but I fixed a lot of it. I changed it once I started realizing what I was doing. The parents have a tendency to project onto their children, their shadow self. And what I mean by that is when a parent has either an unprocessed shame response or a fear response around a specific issue, it could be anything, laziness, uh, being loud, being too quiet, being fat, being unhealthy, um, not being educated, um, whatever it is. If they have an unresolved, now I'm not talking about values. A positive value is good. Like this is what we do. Like you said, your mom did that in a very healthy way. So chances are that's what that, let me give him five bucks comes from. Like, you know, being a, caring and compassionate to someone's human condition. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? But when a parent... Um, has a phobic response and that child's nervous system imprints that phobic response or shame response, right? As the reason to take action or not take action. What happens is that child either becomes, a because a child is in a, 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 children are in a hypnotic state of suggestibility. So that child will either become that parent's worst nightmare because they're giving them the inference. So a parent will have a child, like call it karma, whatever you want, that has a little predisposition to be a little bit more, I don't know, interested in food, a little bit more chubby if the parent has a weight issue, right? Or the child's a little bit more slothy in their behavior because all these are parts of human behavior, right? or, 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 or uh, mischievous, whatever it is, right? And that child is gonna trigger that parent. That parent, instead of seeing that as one facet of the child, just a moment in time, it becomes their worst nightmare they project back onto them. You're gonna be that thing I can't accept. You're gonna be that phobic response like I have to mice, you know? And as soon as that child experiences it, the parent's gonna infer directly and indirectly suggestions to that child to make that child unconsciously have a, you know, be overweight or, or not be able to focus in school or be too mischievous or be disrespectful, whatever the parent issue is, or the child takes on the parent's neuroses in order to be loved and keeps fighting for it. So you'll have, if you have two sons, for example, and the parent has a, 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 a phobic response or shame response to being lazy, for example, one child will get the PhD, he will always be working, whatever he'll do, he'll always be working to prove to dad or mom, whoever has that response, that I'm not what you hate and I'm gonna get your love because to the nervous system, that response is I'm going to die. And so love is the opposite of death to the nervous system. So I'm going to stay alive by keeping you happy and not trigger your fear response. Sorry, my, my um, computer just, I forgot to plug in the cord. Thought you were tying your shoe. <laughs> I don't have shoes on. <laughs> Zoom, baby. All right. Zoom, I don't even have pants on. Okay. <laughs> so, so once that child, so once that child, right, it gets that imprint, like I said, they're either going to take the hypnotic suggestion and be this person who is lazy or whatever that is, or mischievous or can't, you know, control their food issues or they're going to um, 
spend a lot of time trying to fight that suggestion to make that to quell their parents' neuroses or fear of shame, right? To get their love. So one has more of a like a f you, you know, like <laughs> oh you're gonna love me only if I get a 4.0. Now I have a learning disorder. Look at that, you know. <laughs> oh you're gonna love me only if I'm thin. I can't help it. I have a metabolism slowing down. It's a way of unconsciously saying. I'm here, I'm your angel to teach you how to love <laughs> unconditionally and not confuse a value or a boundary or what's important with love. And love is one thing, but a boundary is something else. There, you, know, you don't have to be angry or filled with a phobic response. And the example I give this to, to people I'm working with, with boundaries, that kind of thing is, is it okay to have mice running through your house? Eating, uh, you know, eating your wires and in the cupboards, eating all your food. Is that okay? No. But should I have a phobic response to it, to deal with it? Or can I just go, it's not okay. Let's get rid of these mice. I don't even have to hate them and kill them. I could just get rid of them somehow. So if I'm suddenly thinking that mice means I have to be in this fight flight response, in this reactive response, then I'm going to look, find mice everywhere. <laughs> I'll actually energetically, energetically probably attract them everywhere. And then I'll never live my life because my, my mind will be worried about mice all the time. And this is what happens with, I find with us as parents, if, if those of you who are parents, we, we, we confuse our, what's important and values with an emotional response or phobic response. I just decided I need to get my entire family into therapy because you just mentioned the mice thing. We had a mouse in our house. My wife doesn't allow, allow anything to be killed. I'm a hunter. I, the first thing I thought is, I'm hunting you down, you son of a bitch. I'll get you tonight. Dude, I set three traps for one mouse. And I, and I set them all exactly where I thought it was going. And then I laid in bed all night waiting to hear it. <laughs> After your speech now, I'm thinking, man, I need some therapy or something. <laughs> you know, that speaks to what we call an NLP, a directional filter, right? Which is, what's motivating your behavior? You might just be motivated by challenge, or you might be motivated by loss of control. And so if you were my client, <laughs> thank God you're not. If you, if you, I would be wondering like, what's motivating that energy? Is it like a, a passion for, for overcoming a challenge? Or is it a shame when you can't overcome a challenge? Or is it a fear loss of control and your environment doesn't look the way you would like it to look? And there's something messing with it and you can't release that fear or that emotion of loss of control unless you control your environment that will never end you'll always unconsciously create problems in order to fix them and then feel good about it so it's like you project a lion you shoot it and then you feel good about it because you won but you're the one who's projecting the problem you know you know what i mean yeah i do know what you mean because my whole household lost their minds because my wife when we did catch the mouse, which I felt very good about, I felt vindicated in you my did house. You did catch it. Yeah. I did, and unfortunately, it kind of got him in a way that didn't look good. And so my wife is crying because of how the mouse was captured. And I'm talking to my son. I'm like, told you I'd get him. Now, we had a whole lot of different emotions going on. My wife's losing her shit over here. I'm like, we got him, boy. We got him. I knew he'd get that son of a bitch. <laughs> My household's a shit show, man. And your son's going to be calling me tomorrow. And I have to refer him to trauma experts tomorrow. There's no doubt, man. You know, but I'm actually kind of being serious because I love talking to you about this. Like, there's certain things, you know, when I hear people like you talk, it does make me think a lot. Like, I was playing catch with my, my son out in the, in the, in the um, uh, backyard. We're playing football, right? We're getting him ready for football season. And... 
I'm like, listen, if you're not going to give it an effort, if you're not going to go 100%, what are you doing? Are you doing it just for exercise? Because that's okay if you are, right? The very next day, I end up reading something, and it says, listen, when you, when you criticize them, they don't stop loving you. They stop loving them. And then I'm like, shit, I did exactly that, son of a... And then I started thinking, well, what about all my football coaches? None of them said one positive thing about me. It's confusing. It's confusing. It's a combination of two things. It's a combination of things you're missing that you're, not, you're, you're unaware of, but it's also a personality predisposition that will respond a certain way, right? Uh, one will respond more to positive um, approval. And, and, and you have to remember, it happens to me with, with parents that are, you know, like these very, very successful, successful parents, right? And they don't understand why their son's not motivated or their daughter's not motivated. I was motivated. I was motivated. I said, you had a vision that motivated you. They're just being motivated because you're getting mad at them. So they never know what they want. And when they do do what they, they, it's based on a stress response. If you do anything based on a stress response, meaning a negative stress response, not a passion stress response, right? The brain's always looking for an out. And if the brain's always looking for an out, it's only going to do what needs to be done. That's the whole nature of procrastination, right? The brain's only going to do what it needs to do when it's in really bad trouble, right? Mm -hmm. And it will always be attempting to avoid the stress because it got the message from the child that there's no good reason to do this other than dad's going to be mad at me or the coach is going to yell at me. I didn't even want to do football, dad. I said, I, I thought about it, but all of a sudden I'm in a team, dad. <laughs> I would imagine you were more um, spirited or more athletic, or maybe you chose football or from the beginning, how you this is a more likely with kids who like football it's a combination of that personality type but it's also you might have been introduced incrementally with incremental successes that made you build confidence and passion dopamine and positive expectation and feeling that you're overcoming these challenges and feeling really great and then feeling wonderful and thinking about how you're going to overcome the challenge but if the challenge the first challenge either in football or or earlier during the stages of industry versus, um, I think it's inferiority, but getting over, you know, uh, being self-sufficient, learning how to overcome your challenges and goals. If that moment was thwarted, if there's emotion there and a memory there, the nervous system's always gonna be worried about avoiding those challenges. I taught a friend's son how to do this, right? <laughs> Which was to understand that you don't have to be responsible for, for um, what you can or can't do. Because whatever you can do, your brain has learned. Whatever you can hasn't learned yet. So that's it. You're only responsible for your focus, enjoying that focus, knowing why you're focused on where you're going, and getting out of the way as the body tries to figure out new ways. Because if you knew how, you'd be able to do it. If you don't know how, the body has to figure out ways to do it. And clamping down, keeping st stress or, or giving up or just giving it a meaning, I'm stupid, a belief, limiting belief, stops you from actually getting that brain to find a new way of doing this thing. Uh, I'll give, can, can I share a brilliant example of this? Absolutely. Okay. So uh, a friend of mine who um, just moved recently, uh, she needed someone to fix her bed, put her bed together. And uh, cause she hurt herself. She had some kind of uh, uh, injury. And so she couldn't move anything, lift anything. So it's one of those beds that the, 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 the plank goes, it has these, um, this hardware, very flat hooks that go right into the headboard, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And I, I'm putting it together. It should have taken the whole thing maybe 15 minutes, 10 minutes. It's a very simple bed. But these, these hooks were bent. So whoever took it out last time couldn't get the hooks out. And they bent the whole thing and then realized, oh, I'm supposed to pull it up. And so that, those are bent. So I took pliers and bent them back. And it couldn't get into the slot. No matter what I did, it wouldn't go into the slot. And I kept trying and trying. I was getting frustrated. And I, I took it apart again. I put, I put all my weight on it. Nothing. <laughs> I, I tried putting it in because you can the, um, change them around. So I put the one into the other. And nothing, 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 nothing. And I'm getting, she's, and she's like, well, well, we can still bolt it. And it's kind of, I was like, no, I want to finish this thing. And I'm so frustrated. And I feel like I have to give up because I have to go, you know? And then I said, what do I tell a client right now? What do I tell a client? Dissociate hypnosis. Dissociate for a second from the situation. Internalize the outcome, NLP, like become one with the outcome. And I imagine it going in and locking in and feeling how good that felt. I just stayed there just for a minute when my brain said, what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen? <laughs> I said, I'm, no, I'm not trying to make anything happen. Everything can happen, you know? It's, I'm just deciding on my focus. If I'm not in charge of my focus, then the ACC or the, the salient network is in charge of my focus. And then uh, that's not good because that's just patterns of memories, right? So the, my executive functioning needs to be in charge, right? The, the, dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex, I think neurologists call. So I'm putting it in, right? I'm trying to put it, and all of a sudden I do that and I stop for a second and I go, oh, I feel good. So now I'm still doing it, but with less tension, with, with less angst, with less um, connection to not going in and more a feeling of going in. So I changed the state, which is NLP is all about state change, right? I changed the state and I was feeling really good trying to do it. And out of nowhere, I said, do you have olive oil or coconut oil? And she goes, yeah, I actually do have coconut oil. Put coconut oil on it. And it got through the wood, but it still wasn't going in. And I didn't go, oh, it didn't work. I just stayed with it. And I just stayed with it. And I just kept, and suddenly I started rocking it in a different way. I started trying to push it with my shoulders like a kind of a, I don't know, like a, um, a dance move, you know, just like kind of, and it locks in. I mean, I was there for maybe 40 minutes trying to get this thing in. Maybe an hour, I couldn't tell because it felt like forever. And all of a sudden, just after about four minutes of doing that, and she looked at me, she goes, you did that thing. You did it, because she knows me a long time. You did that thing. I said, yeah, I said, I did that thing. All I had to do is be okay with staying with an outcome and not get too attached to how or, or my own ideas. Being we call it being flexible, like get out of the way. You know, it's, Are you getting closer or further away? And, and make sure you're in this physiology or psychology of excellence. That's what that was. So, it, and, and it reminded me of so many times that I would have given up on life because that was me my whole life. That's why I love helping people because I knew what it was like to try something that didn't work out and give up. Try something that didn't work out and give up. And, and so when I was able to go, holy cow, like you do so, if you just keep getting out of your way and you keep your intention, something happens. And I always bring up Schultz from uh, Starbucks, 217 venture capital meetings that they turned them down. Yeah. They got turned down. I mean, something like 209 or 217. Like you, most people give up after four. Some people give up after two, two rejections and he kept going. Why? Because he knew he, where he was. He was enjoying the ride. He, everything was feedback. 
It was just information. But as soon as we say that this means it can't happen, I'm not good enough, I'm bad at math, there's something wrong with me, nothing ever goes right for me, why bother? That, or, or we're just simply trying to avoid the emotional discomfort because we think it's bad rather than good. That's a big one. As soon as we do that, we stop. But we go through it, we become, I think it's Thoreau who said, who you become by achieving a goal is greater than the goal itself. And that's what I think that means, is that who you become, you become different. So who cares about the goal? You become someone new. You become someone who's able to do something you weren't able to do. So this body brain has figured out wiring, whether it be juggling or an invention, it figured out wiring to make the invisible physical. Because we got out of our way and we had an intention. No, I love this stuff because I agree with so much of it. I mean, it is, it's just a conversation I can have all damn day. Because uh, I'm, I'm also the same guy that, listen, okay, after I had danced with that thing for about 30 minutes, I had to sledgehammer the end of it. It would have broke the metal pieces. I'd have duct taped it and been like, here's your bed. I'm out of here. <laughs> and I'd have felt accomplished and great about it. I came close. I, I said, do you have a sledgehammer or something heavy like that? And a good thing she did. <laughs> Getting close. Yeah. I, I was even even going to get the hardware. I was going to go online and find the hardware so it's nice and straight and we can, like, you know, do the hardware. I'm going to sign up to be one of your clients just because I want to test you out to see what you can do with this mess I got going on. You're, you're a lost cause, Dr. Mitch. I know. There's no doubt. Tell me, you know, it's something else I really want to go down. And this road is always fun because... Um, and I hope you don't get tired of us because I can see you coming on here quite a bit because I, I don't know. I, I really enjoy you. Tell me a little bit about law of attraction. I see the law of attraction more as pattern recognition and transduction. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at pattern recognition. I think it was Pripham that said that pattern, uh, the brain is a pattern recognition device, right? So the brain is got a bunch of patterns, right? Electrical patterns, right? And there's, you know, neuropeptides and stuff like this, right? And so it's scanning for important patterns, right? So the salient network is looking for what's important, right? Mm -hmm. And it's scanning for what's important. As, along with the, I think it's the RAS, which is it's more survival important as well, right? So it's scanning for what it is. Well, how does it determine what's important? Through experience. And how does an experience decide what's important? Survival. And how does the nervous system know that something is good or bad? How it feels. So if there's a stress response, it says important, right? And if it's a pleasure response, I like that, it says important. Mm -hmm. And if there's an avoidance of the stress response, it says important. That's the addictive model, the addiction model, which is I want to get away from this, so I hope for that. That's a version attachment in Buddhism, right? So I don't like this, I need that. Well. We, for some reason, we have the inhibitory process and free will. We're, we're able to stop a response in our body fully from being processed and learning from it by saying no to the emotion. So when an event happens and we learn, don't learn to overcome it and be comfortable with the event, that doesn't mean we don't run a fight. It just means we're comfortable now because we know what to do with the event. The nervous system says, this is still happening, this thing that we're worried about. So this is what becomes important on that side. Right? And that right. side of the equation. 
Then we start to say, how do I avoid this? This happens oftentimes to very attractive people or lucky people, right? That when they don't achieve their goals, they don't feel confident or passionate about achieving their goals, and then puberty hits. And they have these wonderful hormones that want to couple with others. And if they're attractive enough, and all of a sudden they get all the boys or the girls or whoever, like paying attention to them, suddenly that becomes a new excitement to get away from their maybe low self-esteem or sadness or hurt. Or and they get addicted to that pattern. And that's become, so they look for a person to save them. That's why I like to say that someone wants you to be the most important person in their world, but not the most important thing in their world, because then you need them for your ultimate happiness. And that's, that I find that that's a cycle that happens often when we get attached to someone out there, this attachment problem. It also comes from what psychologists call attachment theory uh, um, uh, styles, which is you're anxious because you saw an imprint of dad not being around or mom not being around, created anxiety, you didn't feel touched, or, and then you're always still trying to work that out. But it's the same principle as you have an internal representation you never learned to process, didn't know how, you didn't have the nervous system to process it. And then the nervous system say how do we fix that what's the opposite of this this and someone comes along and you look good enough or have enough money or success or cool enough or hot whatever it is you're doing that gets someone to do this suddenly you get a flood of happiness and excitement this is going into my app that that i i, I just made about relationships right you have this flood of, of how you have a flood of hope it's dopamine it's excitement so it's just quelled it's just drowned out <laughs> all the fear or hurt, depending on how you registered that experience. And now you think you're in love. Mike, they're looking different. This person who I know, by the way, unconsciously, I picked up on unconsciously, that when they get stressed, they're gonna bolt. They're gonna get avoidant, which is the other side of that equation. They're gonna leave. They don't want commitment. They don't want responsibility. They just want people to worship them, the extreme version of the narcissist. They don't want like intimacy. They don't want that. Right. So this person sees that person at a party. Maybe they're successful. Maybe they're independent. They don't need anyone. Right. And their nervous system is already picking up on this being who they are. So the first thing you really feel is anxiety, not attraction. And as soon as this anxiety can go away because this person does this. This part of my brain is going to go away. It doesn't go away in here. It goes away out there, but it doesn't go in here. So now we get, oh, you're going to save this emotion from, you're going to get rid of this emotion from, so you got to keep doing that. But this person, when they get stressed or life hits them or their personality predisposition, they're going to start avoiding and going somewhere, going into the, where they're not calling me. And then the anxiety comes up and then we displace all of that hurt or, and, and fear and then resulting sometimes in anger on them. You hurt me. I was already hurt <laughs> and I've decided I was going to find someone who can't be this for me 24 hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week. And when you're not and you act in a different way other than reassuring me and, uh, that, and you avoid, then I'm going to hate your guts or tell to your response or blame you for my hurt, you know. And this is what happens. And, you know, on the other side of the equation, it's the same thing. That guy has always been yelled at by his mom or controlled or where do you go? How come you didn't come home for dinner? Where are you go? <laughs> And, if, and soon, so soon as she starts getting stressed because he starts avoiding, then she starts getting angry, right? We call them fizzes and emos at the school I teach at, which is 
he starts getting, she starts, or let's say it's the she, it doesn't matter. In older groups, it's usually the, 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 a woman because of how we, we grew up. But now it's like it's changed. It could be either or, it doesn't really matter. It depends on the pattern that got stuck in you and your personality predisposition on top of that. So, so, so all of a sudden this person who thinks he's, or she's being loved independently, like, like uh, unconditionally, I mean, loved unconditionally. Oh my God, I can do what I want and you love me. I can go wherever I want and I'm free and I'm having unconditional love. No one's mad at me. How wonderful. And all of a sudden you get 37 texts saying, where the hell are you? I thought you're coming over. <laughs> and then this person's in a fear response. And how do they respond? By being a very good boy or girl to mommy or daddy. <laughs> and then, it, and now we're in a trauma bond, a comic <laughs> bond rather than a relationship. And then, so we're still trying to get that honeymoon stage back because this trauma came up and they're not now quelling it because we're triggering each other. No, that's why I love talking to you. That's why I absolutely love talking to you because this is real life stuff, right? This is stuff that if you get a grasp on this stuff, and I know you have an app and we want to drive people to, to learn your stuff because it is amazing. I, I think a lot of people don't really give a crap where in the brain it functions at, but even in my situation sometimes, She'll go out with her girlfriends and I won't text at all. I'll be like, you know, enjoy your entire time. You know, don't worry about me. And then sometimes she'll be like, well, how come you didn't text me and see what I was doing? <laughs> well, wait a minute. I'm giving you 100% freedom. Do whatever you want. But it is fun. And this is the stuff I love to talk about because this stuff is what I believe is life altering. And, and you, you happen to say, I don't know if this is just with me or maybe you do this with your clients. But I, I love the way you add some humor into it. It's, it makes me, it makes, it soaks into me with that. Like if you were that dude in a, look like, a, I don't know, the Playboy Mansion guy in the silk shit doing whatever. Yeah, it wouldn't work for me, man. It wouldn't. See, Dr. Mitch, <laughs> consciousness. <laughs> and I'd be out. I'm out. I, believe me, I tried to be that guy and I realized, why am I doing this? To prove something or to share what has changed my life? And I said, I'm doing this to share what has changed my life. And so do I have to be something more than me? No. And I got over the pedantic people who love to correct words or things. I was just like, if that's what your whole life's about, great, then, then do that for a living and have fun doing it. But I'm interested in shaking people out of killing themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love making, like, uh, let me give you an example of how I do emotion, what you, like, like understanding emotion. I, was, I do these Wednesday night uh, talks, right, with people, clients, and people come on every Wednesday for an hour. I do a talk and then a meditation or some NLP or self-hypnosis uh, thing. And so they say, well, what are emotions? I said, you want to see emotions as a separate being. What do you mean? Is it because... Every time an emotion gets triggered, we go into the limbic system, into the emotion, right? So I, I, I use this metaphor, and, I do, and I'm doing these shorts, actually, to demonstrate these funny situations with someone who's very, very funny. So, so, um, <laughs> so I, I want you to think of an emotion as this, as this being, this employee, this zealous, loyal, histrionic employee, right, who's very emotional and reactive, right? And you told them, you know, it's really, really important. But when you told them, you know, you were a little bit pissed off that day or worried or upset. And so that ploy went like this, right? 
And I said, just be careful, there are wolves outside, since we're going to talk to, to you today. We'll use that example. We're wolves outside. <clears throat> and we got to be very careful. I want you to stay at the, at the window with the gun because they're killing our sheep, and it's very important. And he's at the window all day. And any time, pattern recognition, right? Anything even looks like the pattern of a wolf. <laughs> and he starts screaming and he sends alarms off in the house and you and you freak out and you go wow 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 he goes there's a wolf possible and you go where 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 and you start bumping into him he's got no guidance he just thinks that he's right to freak out because you're freaking out and that's the child in us that never grew up around that issue that's freaking out because someone's not coming home or texting us or doesn't care it's the child's nervous system that never had a parent, a wise consciousness, because parents are children too, trapped in bodies, right? <laughs> it never had a wise frontal lobe parent that said, it's okay, we're gonna figure this out. And if we have to run or fight, we'll run or fight. But if not, most of the time we'll figure, look, look, we'll do it slowly or it's okay. What else can you do is another way to, look, you overcome that child. And that child builds resilience. So anytime emotion is stuck, we never overcame that challenge. And that's right. why we have the emotion, because we never knew how to do something, see something, perceive something, or accept something that we should have learned how to accept. So what we want to do is you separate from it and start seeing it literally separate from you. And you walk up to it and, and, you, and you, you say, it's okay, it's okay. I'm going to deal with the task at hand. And what if, what if it's a wolf? What if it's a... Say, it's okay. It's okay if it's a wolf will just do something. But what if it gets in? It's okay, then it gets in. I thought you said it couldn't. There's nothing we can do about it if we couldn't. We'll put more barbed wire up or something, or we'll put some sense out, but it's okay. And if it's not seeing that you're the one who decides on the intention and what reality is and the behavior, then it can start feeling comfortable that there's an adult in the room and it starts to listen to you. So when you need all that energy, when you really need to fight or run, you go, go take off, go kick that person's butt, you know, like whatever it is. It, it, it just runs through, the adrenaline runs right through us. And it, to take, it's got a lot of power to it, but it needs intention and guidance and truth, not reactions and me memory patterns, right? And you'll see when you do this, every time you go, you were wrong. Like I work with a lot of therapists. I'm, I'm in the self-help world, but I have doctors and therapists send me people all the time for other issues under their you know, auspices of their, their, their license and their, their protection. So they're saying, hey, do hypnosis on this, IBS or whatever. And uh, sometimes I'll get a, a message that sounds like this, Joe, can I talk to you for a minute? Could you give me a call when you get a moment? It's very important, right? And I'm shaking, like something happened because that's when you grow up, you're always in trouble for something you didn't do, right? Or didn't know you did or didn't know how to fix it, right? <laughs> And so I, 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 I literally step out, literally step out of my body, my consciousness, the ghost in the machine, if you will, steps out. And I look at and I say, okay, all right, no matter what happens, we can either fix it or, um, or, or explain it or, or whatever we can do. And if we can't, then that's life. I'm willing to live with that. You're willing to live with that? Yeah, there's nothing I can do, but I'm willing to do everything I can, but I'm not gonna try to, to preempt comets from hitting the planet. <laughs> Because I can't do that. If I can, then I'll be, you know, astrophysicist and figure that out. But if I'm not going to do anything about that, I'm going to accept I have no power over that. Serenity prayer in a nutshell, right? And then I relax and I say, now I'm going to, and then when I pick up the phone and they say, yeah, 
I have an issue. Can you help me with this? I'm having a weight loss issue <laughs> and it's for them, you know, or something else. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, look, I thought I, like something. And so like a bad psychic, if you don't acknowledge they were wrong, you will forget they were wrong 99 times because the one time they're right, you go, I need to listen to you. And if you start to realize that you're just a projection machine of projecting the past onto the future because you never learned how to overcome that. You never learned how to accept it. And you never learned to be okay with it. So you can actually physically change it. And that's what an emotion is. It's the wall that this makes us decide if we're going to be new human beings and not need the emotion or stay in the emotion, then get mad at ourselves or blame other people or criticize. Our, and once we do what needs to be done, keep a boundary, keep going and get the coconut oil, whatever it is. What, that sounded weird, but you know what I mean? Whatever we need to do to keep going, whatever we need to go to keep going, you let go and then you become better for it. So you will never have that emotion, that situation again, just like a good fighter. Who knows what to do when a person punches them in the face? That, that's what good boxing does. You get the noodle and you hit the person so they stop flinching. And then suddenly they're comfortable. It doesn't mean they like it. It just means that they know what to do with it. And all of a sudden they're okay with it. So a punch could be coming at them lightning fast. Not only are they not afraid of it, but they're more capable of dealing with it. And uh, this is what happens when we start to calm the nervous system and deal with issues rather than listen to the nervous system of a two-year-old that would die or could die, probably won't, but could die if they're left alone, right? Yeah. Could die if there's a loud noise, could die if something happening, something's happening really fast in the room. If they could, all these patterns that trigger a natural response in the nervous system because it's wired to survive. If we don't learn how to survive, then we never become that cub that leaves their mother after six months or a year. I don't know when a bear lives, but you know, less than a year, you know, like these animals leave there. <laughs> they have all the instincts built into them. They leave and they're fine. We are still needing our mommy and daddy at, at, at 27. <laughs> Someone breaks up with us. We have the pain in our stomach. Like we've been kicked in the gut because that rejection is re-triggering re stuff we never worked out. But the, I guess the real me is a silly person because I was doing it at seventh grade. I just had a lot of trauma in me. So I didn't, I, I didn't allow it to be entertaining, be of service. It was just my escape uh, from my trauma rather than my predisposition to be of service through entertaining, I guess. I, it still shocks me when people say that, believe it or not. Like, you're funny, you're amazing. It's just like, I don't care about that. Did what I say make sense? <laughs> Are you going to use it? It, may, <clears throat> it, it makes a ton of sense to me because, again, that's how my brain learns. My brain learns through story, right? That's why we do Truth Talks. We, we tell these stories so other people can benefit from it, learn something from it, and maybe change something. The whole reason you're on here, you get two shots at it. I'm sure there's going to be even more shots at it because I think what you deliver is so incredibly helpful for people. And, and you bring a lot of real world, real life, real experience, uh, personal life, personal experience. I think it's a lost art, and and uh, and then when you add a little bit of humor to it and animate, I just love it. It's it's my cup of tea. Um, I guess there are people who need that stoic type of thing. It's just not me. But um, I want to find out how we can get people to come to you. P there are people out there suffering every day. I I am backing you. We don't bring you on True Talks unless we believe in you. Uh, so we tell us about your program. How people can get a hold of you. They can be a client. Tell us how all that works. Well, you can go to tab technique, T-A-B-B, two B's, um, technique.com to get to my website. And that's my contact information. 
I'll have my, I'm switching over websites because it was antiquated. So my partners are like, you need a real website. <laughs> so, um, so um, right now um, at possible.app is the app that I created to, to, to focus on creating change in your life goals. The, it's a basic pack that they're going to get to download for free, you know. Um, and then, then the, you know, later on we'll have, uh, not in the near future, actually, probably in a month, we'll have relationships in more specific, you know, creating like this is more general creating, but it will be someone called me and said, why are you giving this for free? This alone is worth, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks a month. It's really changing my life. So, but that's how, that's how we're doing it. We, we give it because want, we want to give first and foremost. So, so it's, um, it's, uh, basic pack is the general principles to achieving an outcome and to not and to releasing emotions and belief systems and you, you you use that app for that and then we have more specific categories like relationship money career parenting maybe uh habits like addictive hab addiction habits and things like that and that will be you know by the end of the year we'll have all that uh in there um i have uh these children's books coming out that uh, talk about these principles, but uh, that will be on my website soon, and they can find that on my website. And they can book one-on-one -on -one sessions with me um, through my website just on the contact page. Joe, thank you so much again for coming on our show. Uh, I know that we're going to have more questions and more things coming up at some point, so save a little time for us here and there. Always, I'll, I'll always uh, show up. Just stop the hunting. Stop killing innocent animals. Just... <laughs> what you got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something powerful about being in camo and in the woods where nobody can see you. I guess it was my military thing. I didn't get to join the military, so it's my way. Just kidding. I was just kidding about that. I, <laughs> oh, I, I, because I know everyone has their own way of looking at things. And I, if I'm going to eat a steak, who am I to say? So you shouldn't be killing a, a, a Right? Uh, yeah. That's yeah. why I, I only allow vegans to complain about hunters. <laughs> because they're putting their you know money where their mouth is. <laughs> All right, my brother. Thank you so much again. I can't wait to release this episode. This is going to be great. Yeah, thank you for having me. I see you. I see you, Chad. See you, Dr. Mitch. Thanks again. For All right, buddy. We appreciate it. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.